Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Good morning, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the Travel Addict. Uh, Welcome. Glad you could be with us. Today, I have a gentleman on the line called Chris Sefran, who is... American grew up in Philadelphia and spent uh, 20 years in the Midwest, primarily uh, Kansas City and Missouri. Or oh, I've heard some people pronounce it Missouri. And New Orleans and building and owning uh, you know, various restaurants and bars and nightclubs. So he's done a lot, uh, taken on that responsibility. But one day he decided to bail out of the country, he lives in uh, Mexico now. So we're going to find out a little bit more about that and why he lives overseas, which is very interesting. It's a good subject to talk about today. Hey, Chris, good day, sir. Welcome, welcome. Glad you could be with me today. Absolutely, man. It's been a little (laughs) bit of a hectic couple of days, but, you know, sometimes it's like that. So I'm very chill, though. I certainly make this less hectic and stressful for you for the next 45 minutes, half hour or so. So, yeah, you grew up in Philly, so you're, you're American, and then uh, lived in the Midwest and then uh, down in New Orleans, which is about a four-hour drive from where, where I am today. Now, I'm just curious, you got to a point in your life, the old age you were, where you started building, owning, and managing restaurants, bars, nightclubs, whatever – made you make that decision you know I, i've never really met anyone who's maybe owned a bar but not a lot of them so tell me about that what 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 was part of that decision making process uh probably a couple of things um you know i i, I when i found the the hospitality business it ended up being like the perfect business for me i'd been kind of in entertainment where we had a music publishing company and we were managing a band and all my friends were like concert promoters and record reps and stuff like that. Yeah. I was the guy in university that was, uh, you know, like organizing the spring break trip uh, for my fraternity. And then I ended up being like the, you know, the guy throwing a bunch of parties and, and, and stuff like that. So it was natural to be in the hospitality business. Okay. And I really liked that. I liked taking care of people and, and I liked, you know, it was really cool to me is when you have a successful bar or restaurant and you had an idea, you build the thing, it's super high risk. It's got a lot of moving parts, but then once it's moving and it's working, it's like this beautiful moment in time each day where you look out and every there's like a hundred people in your place having a really good time eating, drinking, whatever it is they're doing. And it's only because you did this, you know what I mean? And they're gladly giving you their money, which is cool. So I did that for 20 years, but, um, you know, there was, you kind of hit this fork in the road because it's a very hands-on business 
and you can, you got to kind of go one way or the other, which I was probably more successful with bars and nightclubs than restaurants than, and, um, than I was with restaurants. I did okay. But in that business, you're either a bar, kind of a bar owner or a restaurant owner. And the bar owner is like a younger man's game. The restaurant, you can age gracefully in there, but then it's still kind of a hands-on hang around your own restaurant kind of thing. Or you, you know, what do you do? Get some, get a bunch of these places and just make some money. But in the midst of my 20 years of doing this, I started traveling a couple places a year because I always liked traveling. Yeah. And I hit this one moment in time where my business partner and I, we decided to take like a whole month and like a month and a half with at the end of the year, which was the slow time, you know, November, December. And we went to Hawaii. Then we went to Australia, New Zealand and just stayed over there for, you know, six weeks. And what happened to me was I'd never lived outside of the United States for like, you know, extended period of time like that. And then, because when you do that, you start actually kind of settling in and living like an Aussie or living like a Kiwi or something. You know what I mean? When you're there for a couple yeah, of weeks, there's absolutely, this yeah. moment in time where you, you shift over to like, you're there. And my business partner and I were like, man, this is kind of nice, you know, like we're here and we're living. Um, and then we, I remember we were sitting in a bar in, uh, in the rocks in Sydney, you know? Mm-hmm. that neighborhood um you might be familiar with it and we're in this nice bar and we're having a drink and we're thinking man we got to get on a plane tonight and fly back to the u.s and it didn't seem that exciting <laughs> it just <laughs> didn't you know what i mean the duration we of it, yeah. stuff. <laughs> well and then i remember flying and we on the way back we had flown back through hawaii and we had like kind of like a 20-hour layover the way the mm-hmm. trip ended up and we we went straight to the hotel and we went to the bar at the hotel and we're sitting there, we're looking around, we're like, man, look, it's nothing but Americans. What a bunch of boring lot here, you know? Um, and so that was kind of the seed of like, you know, I'd like to live internationally, but just really more location independent, you know, because it's not just, you know, I'm older. I don't want to be a backpacker or like one of these guys that's in a coffee shop every day, cranking out, you know, some travel log or something. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a coder, you know, I was like, Hey man, maybe there's got a way to live like this, you know, but live nicer. And then I got inspired by this. I read a story about this guy that was a a symphony conductor and he conducted the orchestra in Sydney and in Tokyo. So he would work three or four months in each city and he had a house in each place. And then when he wasn't doing that, he had him and his wife had a house in Fiji and they would just go there for six months. Oh, I understand. And I thought to myself, that guy's got it nailed, okay? Because he's like living in two cool places, getting highly paid to just basically go and do whatever he he was going to do. And I'm like, well, maybe there's a version of that that I can do without being like, you know, a famous conductor or something like that. What do you do if you're not famous? So that was kind of the impetus for this. And then I, you know, it was just like, I tried to, I tried to like remotely manage my bars and stuff like that and restaurants, but just never seemed to work well when I wasn't around. Mm-hmm. So either I'm a crappy delegator or not a good, you know, remote administrator, but um, there's a certain energy, you know, to the owner being 
in, you know, there on a regular basis, whether you're not there every minute, but you're in and out of there, you know, frequently, it's just a different animal. And that's how most guys do it. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to, but obviously having bars, restaurants in a city when you're not there is a little bit stressful and obviously a lot of hours per day, I would imagine. All right. And it's interesting. And I've always said this, you know, when people start traveling a little bit and you went obviously to the other side of the planet, and it's educational. So it's a bit of an eye-opening experience for you, right? And that's probably what you thought. And that was a, probably the start of the travel bug. You think that was it at that moment? You sort of, I got to do more of this, get out of town more? Well, I tell you, if, you, if you've grown up and live in the United States, um, you know, the U.S. is very, like, U.S.-centric. You know, we're number one, we're the greatest country in the world, all that kind of stuff. I mean, our chant is USA, USA. I mean, like we don't have like a song or anything, you know what I mean? Like, and so once you start traveling, it, you know, it kind of dawns on you. There's another like six and a half billion people somehow getting through their day frequently on next to no money and in who knows what kind of chaos in their country, but yet they seem to be frequently happier than most Americans you run across on a day-to-day basis. Oh, absolutely. And, and stress seems to be baked into the American psyche. And part of it too, is that we're in this weird, what I, I don't know, call it like a media bubble in America where like, they're just feeding you nonstop, like commercialism and nonstop fear um, and politics. So it's kind of like, you're just, you're just constantly in this bubble of, of stress. And, and then you got to work really, really, really hard because you got to make a lot, a lot, a lot of money to get ahead or uh, exactly. fall behind. And then you go to these other countries and there's people like living on 50 bucks a month or something. And they're like, you hang out with those people and you're like at a barbecue going, man, this is really nice. This is, yeah. I, I could live here. What the, you know, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my world sort of, I get it completely. I know that uh, last count was about 40% of Americans have passports in the first place, but I've had this discussion. I mean, you, you know, where I geographically, where I am in Destin, Florida, but there's a lot of people close by where I live. And yes, we all think we live in the best place in the world. And that applies to wherever you live in the world. They may think that, but it doesn't mean, and I think you'll attest to this, we are the best at everything we do, right? We could learn from each other. And uh, th- that to me is eye-opening experience. Now I mentioned this to people and they, that ah, don't believe you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that, but but yeah, I mean, it's an eye-opening experience, education. But one thing you did say there, uh, Chris, wherever you go in the world, people could be monetary poor, but they're happy with the way they conduct their lives. It could be anywhere, you know? And uh, right. yeah, and so that's the main thing uh, to be happy. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you got the travel bug. And well, let me ask you more about that uh, because you are in – uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, right now. And right. Yeah, how long have you been uh, living there? Well, I've been here for a month. And what I'm doing right now is I'm going around spending a month at a time because that's kind of the, it's kind of a nice chunk of time. Um, like you get an Airbnb, you get the best price. You find if you book far enough out, you're going to get something cool for a decent price. And mm-hmm. then and I find that if you get an Airbnb and I like to cook for myself, so yeah. like I, I bring like, I have a Pelican case that's got like 
everything that I had in my kitchen in a normal basis. Like I'll bring knives and I'll bring my little coffee maker and stuff like that with me. And so I'm living just like I was living wherever I was when I was in the United States, you know, yep. the difference and, and everybody else is living like this. They don't realize it. they'll have a house full of stuff, but they literally use 90% of the time is on this little bunch of stuff that they, they have a little bit of clothes they wear all the time. They have a little bit of stuff in the kitchen and everything else is already in another furnished apartment, like a TV, a couch, a bed. Now maybe yep. they got the perfect you know, couch that they love or something like that. But, you know, if you, if you, I think what was the, I read, I don't know what Buddhist guy or somebody said that like the definition of happiness is wanting nothing. So like, if you really lower your expectations, um, you, you really never get upset because it's never any worse than you thought it was going to be, which is also a great way to travel because you know, there's going to be weird things that happen. You have to stand in line. The thing isn't open. The lady doesn't have what you want. Like that happens to you all the time. And, and so, um, I have been going for about a month at a time to different places because I want to see what it's like to actually live there. Yeah. So I went to Mexico city for a couple of weeks, I think two weeks, you, I, I just decided now that that's enough really. When I was traveling faster, I would go to, I would spend three to four days in a place and just run all around. And then I could get the kind of the flavor of it. Like go to Paris, you'd be there for four or five days. You go all over the place in different neighborhoods. You can see what mm. it's like in Paris, but to actually live there, I think two weeks in an Airbnb, you're in like a normal apartment building that people live in. And, you know, you see what's around there. You're going to the same grocery store. Um, I've been in Medellin, Colombia too, which I really like because yeah. I really like the weather there. And my, one of my things is, you know, as you become a, as you get older, you, you kind of develop this little laundry list of stuff that you require. And, you know, if I was a skier, I'd need to be by a mountain where they had snow on it. Right. Like, uh, that's just the thing. But personally, I really like the sun and I like to have a good looking view and it's mountains or the ocean or something mm -hmm. pretty to look at during my day. Because in the modern world, you're pretty much sitting in, at a desk in front of a computer 90% of the time doing whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it could be in Buenos Aires. It could be in Budapest. It could be in... Um, Luang Prabang, I saw as a place you've been, and I—that's I, a place that's really relaxing. Oh yeah, um, you know, I, that was a really surprising place that I liked out in the middle of nowhere in the jungle. Um, but you go up on that top of that mountain, and every morning the monks get up at six thirty and they walk to the monastery, and people come out and give them a little yeah, bit of rice or something. That, that's right. Yeah, it's a, and you it's go over, fantastic. and the lady makes you a coffee for a dollar twenty-five, and you sit there watching the Mekong flow by. It's pretty relaxing. Yeah, it, it is peaceful, no doubt about it. And you said you're in Medellin, well, you've got the mountains there as well. It is a beautiful city, I must admit. Um, I mean, but you are sort of a city hopping now, I guess. Um, what's up next after Guadalajara? Are you go somewhere else in Mexico or Monterrey or not Mexico City, I'm assuming, but uh, maybe. Well, I've been learning so far that the, the bigger cities in Mexico are a little dusty and too much smog for me. Uh, the people here are really nice. Um, mm. That's the other thing that people don't realize is that if you go anywhere you go, 
if you're cool, they're cool. And if you try to speak to the people in their language, try to follow any of their customs, they are going to love you pretty much. There's bad people everywhere. No matter if you're in Chicago, New Orleans, or Mexico City, there's some broke guy that wants to steal your wallet. Um, but there's also millions of really nice people that are just happy to help you out if they can. Um, so what I'm probably going to do next is um, I want to check out some beach stuff. I might go to Mazalan or something like that. I was looking to look at some smaller towns. I've been look, doing some uh, looking. I went to Puebla, which is like 3 million people. Yeah. It was just kind of a smaller version of Guadalajara. And this is nice here, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I spend, because really what the goal is, is to find like two good places that you can go back and forth on. So you don't need a permanent residency unless you really want one, which you Mm -hmm. can get. And then I want to look into a, you know, some second and third passports because it's just good to have some passport options. Uh, yes, and I know sometimes okay. it's easier to uh, to get one today if you're prepared to. I was born in England, so I got two passports: British and an American one. That's okay, but I I understand it's it's easier to get residency in a country now. And more about that in, in a little bit. Were you living in Mexico? What are you actually doing now? You've got bills to pay, uh, like we all do. What are you doing for work wise? I mean, are you are you in a, a position where you're you're trying to advise people who want to move overseas, or, or what are you doing right now? Because you're out of the restaurants business, aren't you? Right now, correct. Yeah, what I I have for the last ten years, I've been doing digital marketing online, which has been because I wanted to be more uh, location independent. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I've been working mostly with either building my own brands uh, for ecom. Or I've been doing e-com brands for uh, YouTube and Instagram influencers. Like I would run their whole Shopify store, you know, and do the whole thing of creating products for them, selling them and managing that entire ecosystem, which is what I'm doing now. Okay. And I've been moving more into um, digital digital products like I have, I um, looking at um, education, the education space of people that are like really good at, at some skill. Yeah. And then I build out, um, you know, an educational platforms for them. That's where I'm kind of moving. And then right now, the thing that I'm promoting, and that's why I'm going on podcasts like this is my dream world passport, which is a new, I'm basically doing a, um, a media channel. It's all about this lifestyle that I'm trying to lead here, which is like, it's basically like an elevated version of being a nomad, you know, where you don't, because a lot of nomads, they just basically go around a month or two, or they always stay around 90 days of moving around because they're just going on visa waivers, right? Yeah, exactly. But the question is, okay, like once you've done that and you've hit 15 or 20 countries, typically there's like a couple that, you know, you really fall in love with for whatever reason, Um, you know, where I really enjoy Colombia because I'm learning Spanish and I find it really personally rewarding to try to speak a second language. You know, I'm starting to get to the point where people always speak to me in Spanish. Um, And then they kind of look at me funny when like, I like, 
when I when my Spanish isn't as good as it's supposed to be because my their initial yeah. bit was all right. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, you know I'm on that cusp of greatness. I'm not there yet, but like I, I'm functional. Like you throw me in any Mexican city or any Spanish speaking country, I can get around. I I can get done what I need to get done. Yeah. Okay. You can hold a conversation basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and like the next level is being funny. Like, can you comment on something in Spanish to people standing there and they laugh? Like, that's a new thing. Like that's tricky to make people laugh in a different language. (laughs) It's hard (laughs) enough in your own. You know, that, that, that's true, isn't it? Although, although it's uh, probably more of a cultural thing, I, I suppose if you, said a particular joke in Mexico, it may not go well in damn well in Argentina or something. I don't know, but uh, nevertheless, you're, you're at that position. You could, uh, you, you talk well enough that you can hold a good conversation and even joke about it. So uh, great on that. I mean, I speak English and American, so I'm sort of bilingual, but I also speak t- two other languages that's Canadian and Australian, but I know it doesn't count, but um, <laughs> you just learn some dialects along the way. Now, your class probably has a digital nomad, I guess. So and that's a big thing now, obviously, because of, of COVID. And um, I know some countries now, um, to become a, a permanent resident, they've eased up a little bit. And in your neck of the woods, and I, I subscribe to International Living Magazine. I like reading that, see what's going on in different parts of the world. Uh, now, apart from Mexico, Panama and Costa Rica are favorable places for expats or american expats to go to do you find that have you been to costa rica or panama yet Uh, i've been there previously and then i part of what i'm doing is keeping track of every you know legal changes that are going on in all these countries that's part of like my thing now with this new platform um countries are starting to figure out that that their their previous stance was basically we'll give you 90 days on a visa waiver, but then we don't want you lurking around here too long because they they just they just sort of just felt like it there was a negative connotation to having a thousand backpackers running around because they weren't oh, ever yeah. thinking that these are legitimate people. You know, it was always kind of young girls and guys that were drinking too much and causing a ruckus. Yeah. But now, especially before this, there was coders, you know, like if you're a guy that can do uh, web development, computer science and, and write in any kind of the full stack development codes, yeah. I mean, you're working on a computer anyway, it doesn't matter what time zone you're in. Those guys were already making, you know, six figures or more in a remote job, but they were kind of the only people doing that. Yeah. Now you have it where COVID forced everybody to stay home for two years at first, it was like, okay, this is no good. They'll be right back to work. But then the employers realized, hey, we don't need to get a big office. This is a lot cheaper. The oh, productivity is fine. So now it's normalized it. And then I think a lot of the countries are realizing that, you know, when places like the US or the UK or Germany do like any kind of ridiculous uh, new regulations, that they can compete. Because the internet has shown that like, uh, you know, like, you know, probably that like you go to Medellin and maybe 20 years ago, you couldn't get anything there. There was no good restaurants. There was no yeah. good coffee shops. But because of the internet and travel, everybody's been everywhere. You go into like Bogota and there's like a hundred cool hipster coffee shops. There's all these cool little restaurants and yeah. things that all the younger people do. And they're building all this stuff it's like they're gentrifying their own countries. Yeah. 
And so it's a good version of globalization. It's not like there's a McDonald's on every corner and you get a Big Mac, but the fact is your quality of life is pretty good. If you're on Belgatog, you're walking around the neighborhood and there's three coffee shops to go to. Mm -hmm. There's co-working places all over the place that didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, Medellin is a bunch of them. Like, you know, and some of them are hotels, like where there's a hotel and then downstairs is a big, big co-working place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Panama and place like Costa Rica, they're saying, okay, well, like, let's make it easier for people to get residency, you know, like, yeah, and, and change the regulations around. And they've, they're talking about it in, in Colombia, but it hasn't happened yet because what everybody does there is they just go and get a one year visa for, um, or it's like one or one and a half years to take a Spanish language class but most of it's remote. You only got to go there like one day a week for an hour or something. Okay, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those deals. But I mean, you could also like legitimately sign up for, um, you know, any kind of college in any country and get yeah. some kind of student visa Yeah, and actually go if you want it for that's, but that's again, that's like the younger people thing. So, uh, and if you're older, if you're like 55 or 60, everybody has some kind of pensioner set up. Yeah. And so if you have built up any kind of assets or even just like what a lot of, like I've run across a number of people that spent the last 10 years or 15 years in America, like, you know, getting a building out, maybe five or six rental homes or something like that. Yeah. And you, they're renting them or renting them on Airbnb or something. And maybe they're making three or four or 5,000 a month. That isn't a lot of money in America, but that's a pretty darn good amount of money in a lot of countries okay exactly yeah yeah <laughs> that's uh, a fortune in colombia oh uh, yeah and a lot of countries as well and i know getting work permits visas is one thing but also an extension of visa i know like thailand for example um they're offering 10-year visas now there's a couple of ways you can get that one is uh, working, but another one is if you invest so much money. And that applies to a number of countries, doesn't it? If you're prepared to invest money in their country, we'll let you stay longer. And I don't know if that applies to Mexico, but it certainly applies to uh, Thailand. I don't know where else in Asia, but that's a, a trend as well. You've got to obviously, I don't know what age group that would apply to, not maybe the younger generation or the backpackers, but that option is there where else have you heard that i mean what what are the actually let me ask you this question now you keep in touch with all your friends relatives at home and i know there is a lot of americans leaving the united states to go and live somewhere else record numbers last year last couple of years where are most of them going to to live well mexico's real popular because it's so close okay And I don't know if it's NAFTA or just whatever's going on, but the U.S. and uh, Mexico is sort of like the older and younger brother. It's like we're, we're kind of like family. Um, a lot of people in America tend to kind of maybe look down on Mexico a little bit, but it's not really like that. Right. Uh, and the people, you, you can easily get a temporary one year at a time residency. And you, don't, you have to show like a little bit of income. I think it's like $1,400 a month. Right. The thing you talked about citizenship by investment, it's like 140 to 180,000, depending on which visa you're going for. Tip and a lot of countries have citizenship by investment. Like Thailand has it, Mexico has it, Colombia, all the Latin American countries have it. 
typically it's the, you know, it sets some number and it just depends on how much money you have to invest. Now, some countries have like a, some kind of weird program where like they tell you which pieces of property you can buy. And it's like some kind of goofy timeshare where, you know, you're going to not be able to sell it or, you know, you just yeah. kind of gave your money away. And then there's some like, uh, uh, like for example, Portugal and Spain, you can do them, do those, which Portugal is a very popular destination the last three or four years. That, that's right. Um, and cause typically the way it works is that, like Portugal had a really problem, you know, they've had economic problems in that country. And whenever that happens, a lot of their people leave, the prices of everything goes way down, they get some inflation and, you know, and so it's a bummer if you're a Portuguese citizen. But if you're living in the UK making like 100,000 euros a day or a year or something, you go to Porto, you know, it's like your money's worth five times as much now. And so maybe that $200,000 villa is effectively 50,000 for you, right? So you think, well, geez, I could just buy that and now I got a permanent residency in Portugal and you'd live in that place for whatever it is, three, four, five years, and then they give you a Portuguese passport, which mm -hmm. may or may not be useful. It just depends on your personal situation. Yeah. But there's also, there's also a lot of these um, side agreements, like, like if you have a, a, a passport mexican passport you can live for free in um in spain because spain or mexico used to be a spanish yeah. colony oh i didn't know uh even even puerto rico as an american if you go and live full-time in puerto rico which means 183 days a year like you physically have to be there once you do that for like three years you you can go to spain there's a there's a thing or a reciprocal thing oh. for puerto ricans yeah so there's a whole bunch of different ways to skin this cat, but my my general thing is like, what do you want to do? And Americans find that, especially if you live in Minneapolis or Cleveland or Buffalo or something like, uh, you know, you want to live in Playa del Carmen, it's uh, it's a lot nicer about six months of the year than what you're used to, and so you can easily you get 180 days with no, you know, visa. Mm -hmm. so you could just go down you could go down to mexico for six months a year as an american and just live there and then you know just rent a place or you know whatever you want to do so yeah. that's probably the number one destination for for americans, americans would, be, yeah. would be mexico mexico yeah in fact i spoke to someone on a podcast <clears throat> probably it's about six months ago and this lady actually specializes in getting Americans to move to Mexico is part of her job. She uh, recommends places and sorts out all the, all the uh, necessary uh, stuff to get there. And uh, I can't remember her name offhand. But saying that, obviously, you know, Americans uh, moving to Mexico are good. Like over in Europe, but you mentioned this, Portugal is a favorite place now because of the cost of living. Um, excellent healthcare system if you're a bit, a bit right. older, and a uh, desirable place to live, safe as well, safe place to live. And um, i got a good friend who lives in England. He's got a second place in uh, Portugal, in the Algarve in Portugal, but um, a couple of Brits I know um, have place in Spain as well. They get out and go live there for two months of the year, and uh, they really like it. I can understand that Spain used to be the place I went for a holiday out of England because the beaches are 
not great in England. So I went to Spain for the good beaches and just uh, the parties, and that was really good. So I would imagine. Well, plus you also you also wanted to see what the sun looked like in its natural habitat. Uh, yeah, obviously, actually, I'll, I'll be back in England at the end of this month. I'm renting a cottage in the English countryside, by the way. So we're going to stay. Right. I'm just visiting relatives and seeing friends because fragile world, you don't know, you know, whether it's a lifetime. Well, we're getting not, older, but, man. You got to you gotta hang out with your friends. You never know how long they're going to be. Exactly. So I'm seeing friends. Well, COVID got in the way, obviously. So we've got to see these people before something happens. So that's what we're doing. Uh, you know, for a month, I'll be over there. You touched on this earlier. There's reasons people move overseas, mainly because it's cheaper, get more for your money. And these are the people which haven't had it in brain cells for some time. Maybe we should consider moving overseas, but more and more people are thinking like that. Healthcare is another one for the older because, yeah, I study world indexes and healthcare is good in America, but it's quite a way down the list as far as the WHO rankings is 37th, I think. Healthcare in other parts of the world is better, you know, quality. Well, cost. There's, there's part of your like greatest country in the world. Like, well, healthcare. Yeah, we're like 35th or 40th. And 37th, go, that's yeah. impossible. Well, they yeah. well, they think it's impossible in America because they think, well, no, we have the best hospitals in the world. We're like, yeah, if you need a heart transplant. But not if you just like sprained your ankle and you need to roll in there. Like you in America, if it, if you go in the emergency room and actually need something to be done, everybody in America is thinking that's two or three thousand dollars, right? Like, yeah. and you, if you get picked up by an ambulance, that's like five thousand. Like these are insane amounts of money. Like if you in and if you're in these other countries, if you have no like you have, you don't even have insurance. You go into the hospital because you broke your finger or something. They you walk out of there two hours later with an X-ray. They set your finger and they give you some stuff and the medication, and you spent like thirty-five dollars. Exactly, like, and there's a reason for they, that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think with here, and uh, people may whine at me for saying this. Here, it's more about making money than it is there, rather than people's health. Do you agree with that? Listen, I'm a proud American and I grew up in America and I'm not trying to anything I say that comes up as negative America. To me, it's just like we're a couple of professors and we're looking at some the evidence of what's going on here. This isn't like, you know, politics. The bottom line is that that healthcare is incredibly expensive in America and you don't necessarily get that great of a service in general cuz like everybody knows like it's hard to get an appointment with a specialist. It's like you go into the emergency room. You know, everybody in America has a story about how something happened and they went to the emergency room and sat there for six hours waiting to be called and then got some outrageous bills from like five different people. And so one of the things when I left the U.S., you know, the number one question for Americans is always like, well, what do I do about health care? You know, I can't be, you know, not having health care because in America, if you don't have health care, you're screwed. Like you're totally screwed yeah. if you don't have like a little card when you go into the hospital. People literally, some people even literally like strap a, a, a thing on their wrist that shows in case they're unconscious, right? In America. <laughs> oh, I've <laughs> to, never to heard of that sure one I That's have incredible. coverage, right? Oh, good. But, in, but then you're in like you're in Medellin, Colombia. Okay. They have like eight of the top 20 hospitals in the whole Latin American area and like you go in there, you don't even have any coverage and it's next to nothing. And they have great doctors. 
Um, I've heard from people in Buenos Aires, the same thing, Mexico, like same thing. Um, you don't even need coverage. I have asked people like these nomad guys that are living. I have people that have wives and kids and I say, well, what do you do for insurance? They go, well, you know, insurance is like 500 or a thousand a month. They're like, but if something happens, I just pay the like 500 bucks for it. Seems cheaper or same, like it just doesn't seem to matter. But if you want it, you get it. <laughs> like that's what they all say, <laughs> right? It's an example, Chris. We did go down the Caribbean in, in, in April, uh, but we had a COVID test. It was required at that time, not now in the Turks and Caicos Islands. So the only place open on a Sunday was a clinic down the road from where we live to get a COVID test. And we got that. And uh, we were in there 20 minutes in rapid antigen test 20 minutes we were both in there out got the paperwork 530 dollars right which is wow. yeah i know unbelievable isn't it then we had to get a covid test coming back that was 25 dollars each <laughs> I thought, oh my god so but there's another uh fact here is that uh and i hate elaborate on healthcare because generally speaking the healthcare I receive here, family receives here, is decent. But then you look at the number of people who go bankrupt each year in the United States through medical bills, okay? It's a substantial amount. It's in thousands. Then you add up all the European countries, developed countries in Europe, zero. No one goes right. bankrupt. And that's a fact. And that in itself is is scary. But healthcare in all these places we've talked about, a possible places where people might move to is good healthcare. And the other factor, a couple of other factors, is safety, of course. They want to go to a place which is safe, where, you know, you can walk around freely, pretty sites and all that. And um, as you mentioned before, uh, Mexico is accessible to the States. At Costa Rica, what, three and a half hour flight back home? It's easy if you want to get there, come back and see family. So, yeah, I, I get it. But you're you're moving around a little bit. There will come a day, though, Chris, I think, where you may be faced with that decision. Well, I need to settle down somewhere. You think that's going to be the case? Absolutely. I would like to. That's why I'm also testing out the, um, you know, the possibilities because I've generally been a believer in like second tier and third tier cities where, yeah, you know, like. Like like Guadalajara is nine million. Like it's the second biggest city, yeah. In um in Mexico and Mexico City is twenty one point one million. That's just a massive, massive, massive city. Okay. Yeah. Um, and to me, like when you look for quality of life issues, like you start looking in the two hundred and fifty thousand to a million range to me, where there's enough people that they have like a real airport. So you can fly places mm -hmm. and they have, um, you know, all the stuff you might want, like a real hospital, that kind of thing. But um, one of the things I'm looking at is, is that I might have like a city mouse, country mouse kind of thing where you live in one city that's like a nice city, like say, you know, Medellin's about 4 million. Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe there's a city like that or a lot of, a lot of expats like Budapest. Um, you know, there's these cities like this, and then maybe the second city I spend time in is like, you know, a real small beach town that's like 20, you know, 50 to 100,000 people or yeah. something like that. So that's what I'm kind of testing out a bunch of stuff like that because I figure, you know, you got to take about 
you got to go places. You just never know what it's really like. You know, watching a movie doesn't do it justice. Reading books gives you good background, but you kind of got to go there and see what it's really like. And then there's also like, I think a cultural thing where like, if you go in Latin America, even though everybody's speaking Spanish, I mean, the, the countries are the same, but they're different. Yeah. They each have a different sort of ambiance and a certain, it's like in America when you like, it's totally different to live in Denver as it is to live in like New Orleans or to live in Nashville or something like they have completely different personalities, but yeah, they all speak English and they're all in America, but it's that same kind of thing with countries to me. And so I would like to find two to three places, maybe just maybe even one and then, you know, and then go travel. Have you ever been to Mauritius? No. Uh, however, that could be possible because we're heading down to uh, southern part of Africa in August. We're going to Namibia and Tanzania. So we may take a flight over to Mauritius or the Seychelles while we're down there. So that's, yeah, we're definitely going to Namibia though. But tell me about Mauritius. Have you been there? I haven't, but like it, it comes up a lot when they start ranking places uh, because it's it's really this unique place where it's like kind of a, a melting pot where there there's just like 10% of like 10 different kind of people that live there. Um, Cause you know, usually it's one thing or the other, like you go to Fiji and half the people are Fiji Fijians and the other half are Indians, right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then you go to China and it's all Chinese, but Mauritius has like more of a melting pot, which is what, you know, like Hong Kong is like, and yeah. I really like that, that feel when you're in Hong Kong, it's got this nice energy because you go to a cafe and you literally sit there and people are talking in eight different languages at all the tables yeah. around you. And there's all these different people. And I'm just a believer that everybody brings a little bit of something to the table from their home culture yeah. like that. And apparently Mauritius, you know, it's an Island. So I got to look out for cabin fever on the Island, but <laughs> Uh, but apparently like it's very free and relaxed there. It's well-managed because yeah. one of the things you got to look for in life is, is the government doing a good job? Like do the trains run on time? Do you know, is the power work? Cause like there's great tax advantages right now to living in Puerto Rico, but they still like half of the Island has like blackouts all the time. Yeah. The infrastructure um, problem, I guess. They haven't fixed it from like five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Now that's, that's like a big, big negative. Okay. <laughs> if you're, uh, yeah. electricity yeah, doesn't work. Think so. Okay. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not making fun of Puerto Ricans, but I'm just saying that maybe they're not managing their infrastructure as well as other places. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm too old to go, Hey, like, let's go vote and like, let's uh, hire a guy that will fix this over the next decade. I'm like, just like, there's a hundred countries. Where are they doing what I want to do? Like exactly. You love scuba diving. Who is doing really good scuba diving? Who has a good place for it? Where should I go? I, <laughs> right? I figured that one out, Chris. So I, that's, that's what is uh, it? So I'll, I'll be in Indonesia later this year doing exactly that. But you know, okay. you mentioned Hong Kong there. That that to me was one of my favorite places because it's so vibrant and it's very eclectic. And of course, they've just um, what I hear is they've appointed a new um, Chinese have appointed a new leader there to or administer that uh, that area of China and uh, a bit of a hardliner. So there may be changes coming there as well. So hope they're all for good. But you know, it uh, makes me think a little bit because it's still a 
quite a few Brits living there today. You know? Yeah, I know. You don't. You can't imagine that the Chinese are not going to ruin Hong Kong somehow. But but there's so many people that already live there that I don't know if they can completely ruin it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's already too far along. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they should have that uh, rule there because it's, it's great, very vibrant. But Thailand has always interested me, of course. It's safe, great healthcare. It's cheap. You've got Phuket, Great Islands, and there's a lot of expats there, at least British expats, Australians as well, some Americans. So options there. And, of course, earlier on you brought up passports as well. And uh, having a second passport is all right. But I think, what I think one of the things you'll be aware of is that and this applies to Australia and Britain, you can't be a citizen of two con- those two countries at the same time, right? So I know some... There, are, there are some of these, yes. Yeah, I know. You've got people who have to be aware of that. I know some Brits went to live and work in uh, Australia, and because they had to revoke their British citizenship, a lot of them stayed, but some came back. You've said, mentioned a lot of stuff about international lifestyle is, is cool and all that. We all know why, because it's a fun experience and it's educational. You've probably got tons of stories to tell (laughs) and you like doing it. Is it your intention to ever move back to the United States? Well, I lived there for quite a long time and I've been and I actually lived. I've lived, grew up in Philadelphia, but I've lived in Orlando, Tampa, Chicago, Los Angeles, Kansas City, Missouri, and then the last uh, you know, maybe seven years in Las Vegas. So I've kind of been all over the U S and I like to come back to the U S and it's almost like now, like how you normal U S people would visit like Cancun or something and like, Hey, let's just hang out for a week and have a good time. Yeah, That's kind of how I see the U S um, because I, I, to me, I want to get fluent in Spanish and then we'll see where I can go from there. Maybe Portuguese and French. Uh, Cause you know, it's a, it's an enabler, right? You get the second language and the third one's easier. Um, <clears throat> but no, at this point in my life, I, I think I, I don't think I would live back there unless there was a really good reason Rhythm. to do that. Got it. Um, but you know, now you know once you know enough about different stuff you you really could you, you could do whatever you need to do and figure out where to live yeah um, do your homework of course and there's a ton of stuff on youtube as well you can type in any place on the planet and look at videos you know give you a, some idea but there's a lot of information on the internet isn't it you do your research and um, look at the if the place is safe, healthcare, all this stuff. So do you also advise people? I don't know if you do um, officially, but if people are interested in doing what you're doing, do you advise people as well? Or have you found yourself in that position? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to give them the, you know, like what I found out, but this is what this dream world passport is all about is basically congregating and collecting all that information that you're talking about, but breaking it down into like, you know, like something you can deal with. Cause you're talking about Thailand. I, we wrote a blog last couple two weeks ago about that. There's a Thai elite visa that's five, 10 or 20 yeah. years that you can just pay once. They're actually looking right now at dropping the price of that down and offering a one-year visa for digital nomads. That's yeah. only going to be like a thousand baht which is like $35. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I, I've been to Bangkok like 10 times and I've been to, 
I've been to Chiang Mai. I've been to um, Koh Samoy, Copenhagen, and Phuket. So I've kind of been all over that country. And that's that's a very popular place because the Thai people are just so friendly and so exactly. nice. Plus, plus, if you're uh, one of these foodie people or if you, you know, like the street food's crazy, like how awesome it is, what you can get for a dollar fifty walking around that country. And that's top dollar, by the way, if you're white. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, th- there's a country there. The Philippines is another deal. It's kind of like that. Uh, Laos, you know, was fine for me. Um, I haven't been to Cambodia, but the long-term goal here is, um, you know, with my digital marketing agency is to build up this dream world passport where we have a, we have an email list where we send out emails twice a week and, and then we're building right now we're working on building a Twitter and then we're going to get to YouTube ourselves. But what we do is we take a topic like Thailand and break down these visas and make it Mm -hmm. easy to understand. Yeah. And then, I, somewhere down the road, you know, we'll probably offer some kind of done for you services or something to help people. Um, the big things are, you know, how do you figure out where you want to get your residency and in your second passport type of stuff? And then the other thing is like taxation, you know, like if you want to move permanently to another country and you have any kind of assets or income, like, you know, how is that going to affect you and how do you handle that? Yeah, those exactly. are really kind of the two big things. Most people, it's just healthcare, but like we can dispel that pretty quickly by yeah. If you're an American, like right now, and you're watching this, and you think I'm full of it, just go Google like international health plans. There's like three American, like Cigna does one, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield does one. Uh, there's three or four in the UK that do it. And you can get a like an awesome policy that's way better than your American policy for like a half of the third the price that covers more stuff because Americans that boggle their mind like what's covered like pregnancy always covered with your wow. normal policy like you have to pay extra in America uh, acupuncture is covered uh, mental health um, any kind of um, uh, rehabilitation and stuff is covered. Yeah. All this stuff is covered. Um, they even have plans where if you want to like be back and forth to the U.S., as long as you're not in the U.S. more than six months, a year, you'll be covered when you're back in the U.S. the same way. I looked at like five different plans, and the highest deductible you could get was $4,000 U.S. Like the U.S. has ten and $20,000 plans that are so expensive. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that's, for, and that's for an 80-20 plan. Like you pay your deductible and then you pay 20%. Yeah. Like that's what Americans are used to, yeah. okay? Brutal. And then like a family of four, there's people paying 2500 a month for a family of four in America. Yeah. Like that's normal. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, between myself and my wife, we were close to that before we, we signed up for Medicare. And uh, it is, it's brutal. You've got a lot of information you can give people. Do you have a website where you can provide this information or people can access or? Yeah, it's, it's dreamworldpassport.com. And you just sign up for our email list. We have all our blog posts on there. I just yeah. started about a month ago and I'm putting out a blog post a week or more. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going down each one of these rabbit holes. Like since I've been in Mexico here, I've been talking to, you know, immigration attorneys and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And 
So I'm coming out with a blog now, um, you know, a Mexi- Mexican path to citizenship for foreigners. Yeah. Got it. And so, you know, that'll be, the, that's the kind of stuff that's on there. And then you get an email that's like sort of a, you know, shorter, like bite-sized version of that blog post. Okay. Well, send me that information. I, I think I've got it, but just in case I don't have it, send me that information by email and make sure that's on the post when this gets out, put out on the street. Okay. All right. Excellent. Anything else you want people to know about before we say cheerio here? Nope, we just got that. And then you can also, uh, the Twitter is D World Passport. That's all we got right now. We're getting started. So <laughs> follow along while we, because yeah, we're going to investigate the entire world. And yep. really, there's about 30 places you might go, about three place, three sections of the world. Yeah. You got Southeast Asia, you got Latin America, and you got Eastern Europe. Our Africa has got a few little, like, you know, nuggets of genius there, but you really got to know what you're doing before you head over there. Exactly. And you've got to be able to fit in, of course. Well, excellent. Well, hopefully it's piqued uh, many people's interest. It's always been on my mind uh, for a while. I just like learning about this stuff. And I, I like to know what's going on in the world. That's why I'm a bit of a travel addict. And I, I like every place I go to, I learn something new. I have to learn something new every day, actually. And so if people say, why are you going to this place? Well, let me tell you why. You know, I like doing it, and I learn something new every day. I guess you're you're on the same frame of mind. You, know, you learn something. Well, you got to. To me, it gives you the idea that it opens your mind to there's options. Like if you're in America, a lot of times you might not even think like I could just live in another couple countries. Like that doesn't even seem like a possibility. Plus, when you start doing stuff like that, and especially learning something in another language, I think it opens your mind, and you become more of an empathetic human being. Yeah. When you go see and interact with people in other countries, I think your chances of being an asshole like dramatically drop. This is a good thing. <laughs> brilliant. Well, because we already have enough of those people. We need more nice, kind people that are more understanding, right? We already have all the assholes covered. Okay. <laughs> oh, There's yeah. plenty of those. You you can just yeah. walk down the street and spot a couple. They're like uh, they're everywhere. All right. Well, Chris, I'll, you, you've left me with that thought, and I'll think about that for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, thanks for thanks for coming along today. I like what your subject is and your experience. Obviously, living in Mexico is uh, really cool. There's a lot of benefits and cool things to do by living overseas, even if it's just for a period of time. I think it's a great thing to do. But anyway, thanks for coming along. Keep in touch. And I might sign up for your uh, little email thing as well, your distribution list. Uh, for up-to-date information as well. I highly recommend it. So we'll yeah. see and let me know, uh, you know, how we're doing. All right, man. So we just want to keep making it better every week. You got it. Well, best wishes on the uh, the business and uh, we'll talk again sometime. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Great Cheers. talking Cheers, with mate. you. Bye-bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.